Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Calling Tau City, turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. I'm tuning in to your transmissions. I'm waiting to be found. And I'm building rockets. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello and welcome to show 681. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. We're going to, well, I'm saying we're going to jump straight into the story. We're not, we're going to, I'm going to just little talk about me, little exploration into NFTs and why I'm so happy with the NFT that I've got. I know NFT, non-fungible tokens, I know there's some folks out there, but this, honestly, everything is going to be an NFT is going on the blockchain. You know what I mean? Your house will be there. It'll all be kind of, the contracts will be all on the blockchain. NFTs, I'm not going to argue off of the case of them. What I am going to say is, though, go over and have a look at Doodles. They've just done, I'm going to say Space Doodles, but the Doodles is the kind of, the the brand, the NFT that I, luckily enough, got when it first came out. So I got it as cheap as chips. And I mean, now they're like, do you mean, <laughs> they're just like silly money. You know, I could buy a, pro, a brand new Tesla car with the bloody things, you know what I mean? Well, I've only got one. My God, I'm hanging on to it. But they've just created Space Doodles and it just clicked with me, you know what I mean? I did a click when I first got this this, this image, this for one for a better, this JPEG, if that's what you're going to call them. But now they've, they've reintroduced like space doodles, and they're just the artwork, man. Just, it's a comfort thing, man. The, the music, it's comfort. It's just, oh, man. Anyway, so um, they just turned, switched on the space doodles, and you can take this NFT, you can take this avatar, this your little code, and go out into space, yeah, and they'll be able to, like, things to do, and to save, and to create, and build worlds yourself, man, it's just the possibilities are endless, don't think about doing, like, NFTs as, eh, 10,000 JPEG pictures, think of whichever one you want to, kind of, you know, whichever one you're looking at, like, an NFT with collection, think of them as a brand, so think of like if you could have gotten a scroll drawn from Walt Disney at the the very first kind of year, you know, the very month Walt Disney started. That's the way you can and look at it as a brand. That's the way Doodles is going. They want to have cartoons on Netflix. They want to do all sorts. You know what I mean? So don't just think of it Doodles as a kind of because <laughs> I seen who was it? I think it was Charlie Stross wrote this article and it's you're funny it's I'm not kind of knocking Charlie Stross but it's just like they don't get it do you know yeah it's laughable and funny to kind of write about it but this is the way you know what I mean it's 
It's the kids that are pushing it, man, and it's the kids that are kind of our future that are kind of dealing in these things and and going to be using them. And the old timers just sometimes don't get it, you know what I mean? We used to have radio, what do I want TV for? We've got TV, you know what I mean? Why do I want to stream? Where are my collection of DVDs? You know what I mean? It's it's coming. But anyway, have a look over at Doodles. There we go. Right. Enough of that waffle. I was honestly going to jump straight into this main fiction. It is The Kaleidoscope City by Doug C. Suez. I think it's Suez, Doug. I mean, we've had... Doug's been on the show a few times there now, and I'm so happy. That's why I wanted to jump back straight into this story. This story first appeared in Asimov's in December 2019. Doug has published three times, has been published three times in Asimov's with the novelette Mountain Screamers and short stories The Callisto Stakes and The Kaleidoscope City, which you're about to hear now. He won first place in the Writers of the Future contest with his short story Amber Embrace, Armour Embrace, which is included in the 2017 anthology. Each of the above-mentioned stories have been performed on this good starship sofa. Doug wrote this story after his dad had a rough bout with chemotherapy treatment. His father made it through, but it was a scary time. Mr. Suez wanted to capture the moments he shared when he used to go on hikes with his dad, except this time he wanted to walk somewhere else beside Earth. Ironically, Mr. Suez's three-year-old daughter started asking about visiting other planets around the same time. This is why Mr. Suez loves writing. Not only was he able to see the story as a child walking with the parents, but their parent getting to take one last adventure with their child. Oh, man, Doug. It's good. Bloody hell. I didn't... I should have read, should have read that, man. Oh, that hits you there, doesn't it? Always proof of your things. You might get caught. Oh, okay. It's quite bloody... When you've got kids... Oh, man. Ah, Doug. I <laughs> didn't see that one. This story is narrated by Tatiana Gray. Tatiana is a critically acclaimed actress of stage, screen and the audio booth. She's been nominated for dozens of fancy awards but hasn't won a single damn one. I wish I could just give you a big hug, Tatiana, because you're so good to Starship Sofa. She went to New York University and lives in Brooklyn, New York, and you can find her at tatianagray.com. So... The Starship Sova is very proud to present. The Kaleidoscope City by Doug C. Souza. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jupiter's pink glow dances across thousands of mirrors that line the cavern walls. Dad stops to watch the man-made phenomenon as we progress down Ganymede's long-abandoned passageway. His gloved fingers trail the grooves that were cut into the icy rock wall over a century ago. I can't see past the tint of his helmet's faceplate, but I know he's smiling. 
Or at least, I tell myself he's in there, smiling. For the first time that night, our trip down the burrows is lit by something other than the bioluminescent skin of our envirosuits. I've been told the Jovian light dims farther into the channels and then comes to life like a cluster of sunlit crystals when you reach the ghost town of Nuvala. The spectacular city, dug deep within the giant tunnels of the lowers, is something that can't be captured with holovids. A prickly wave passes through me as I gaze at the myriad mirrors put in at just the right angles decades ago, back when Ganymede was still being settled. Any fractional shifts in the Jovian moon's orbital path have done little to mar the effect. We should hurry, Lynette, Dad's voice says, and he puts out his arm for me to duck under to guide him. Well, not his voice. I'm getting used to the mic system within his envirosuit and how it transmits his vocal matrices into words and choppy sentences. For a second, I'm jarred by his impatience. It reminds me he doesn't have long. Then I remember that he's probably hoping to catch some of the majestic glow in the city and not waste our time navigating this web of corridors. Maybe he's not thinking of his limited time as much as I am. Can you handle a bounce run, or you want to walk it? I ask as I get a good grip on his wrist and tuck it under his shoulder. Can my little girl handle a bounce run with her old man? His voice catches with a hitch and pop of biting static, and then he finishes with, Bounce run that shit, Lynette. That sounds like the dad I remember. I tighten my hold and hop-skip down the round tunnel. The first few hops are tricky and I nearly tumble. With him weighing next to nothing in that suit, I overcompensated our jump. It's awkward and takes several tries, but soon we have a steady pace going. I try to ignore the pings coming from my wrist comm that warn about his med nanos running out of options to keep Dad with me. With a quick flick, I set the pings to snooze mode, so I can concentrate on our path deeper into Ganymede. Some spots down the cavern have twice as many mirrors bringing in light, while other pockets swallow us in darkness as we skip through. We had turned off the autoglow settings on our envirosuits for this duration. We didn't want anything messing with Jupiter's light as it hit Ganymede. I'm checking my wrist comm to verify our route when a coughing fit hits me. My finger reaches up and shuts off our comm link out of reflex. If Dad caught my razored hacking... He doesn't say anything. I should have increased the humidity setting inside my own envirosuit before galloping through the abandoned caverns so recklessly. I flick my tongue over and pull the feed tube loose for a quick sip. My own nanos are probably working overtime to counter all the damage this physical exertion is causing. Not to mention the adjustment they have to make from Ganymede's G-pull being stronger than back home on Callisto. The pull isn't much more, but probably a lot to those poor buggers trying to maintain muscle, tendon, and bone bonds. I slow our bounce run as we reach a guardrail. I hear Dad laugh as we bump the metal barrier lining the platform. Flights of jagged steps await just a few meters beyond. The steepness of the grade is legendary. After a few practice breaths that don't sound like Lev Sledder scraping ice... I open my mic and comlink. Not much farther, 
I say, and lean against the guardrail to test its strength. The thing doesn't budge. I give it a shake for safe measure, and it holds strong. Amazing, Dad says, and drops down with his back against a rail post. Still as tough as the day they put it in. No frailty here. I picture what's left of Dad in that enviro suit. He's left his faceplate on full tint since being pulled from stasis and leaving Callisto. I pretend his warm eyes are beaming back at me. It's tempting to just drop, you know, hurl ourselves down on the other side of those steps, I say, hiking one leg over the railing. Our suits are way better than what folks had back when they first built Nuvala. Absorbers could soften the fall, the suit skin can handle the scrapes. My wrist comm pings again with an orange glow to warn me about time and the imminent decoherence of Dad's nanos. I shield my arm to hide the message from him. Duh, you stupid tiny machines. Why do you think I'm just trying to hurry him up? He glances at the chasm. Nah, just dropping down is like cheating. As much as I want to see the lowers in their cities, I promised your mom I'd get the full feel for the old Ganymede tunnels. You know, see how cumbersome it was for the settlers like your grandma and grandpa, who had nothing but their natural muscle and bone. Well, that and their antique pressure suits. He puts his hand out for me to help him up. I'm careful not to grab the glove too tightly. I don't want to feel it cave in under my grip. A shudder passes through me. Wanting to take the stairs is something Mom would have wanted us to do. It reminds me to soak in this trip with my father and ignore the inevitable that rests just around the corner. I switch the alert setting from snooze to minimal icon on my wrist comm. If I can't quiet them altogether, then I'll shrink their warnings. It's quieter than I thought, Dad comments as I help him down the first series of steps. Not as many squatters. Maybe down below, I say. His legs falter. We should be careful in case... He starts, but it's cut off in a whoosh of static, his helmets darting every which way, as if something's flying in at him, like he's scared or that he knows something's coming. I check that my wrist comm hasn't blurted out some random update for how much time is left. Something else is bothering him. I slow my pace. There's nothing to worry about, I assure him, and bring up my wrist comm. With a flick of the wrist and tap of my finger, I unlock the added weapons port. I've got percussion shots and a high-end piezo ball. Anyone thinks twice about horsing around, they can either get shoved back hard or get their ears split and stunned to near deafness. Dad regains some strength in his legs and continues. Yeah, he agrees. It's fine. There haven't been reports of any attacks. Not lately, right? Not for decades. I want to tell him. That was long before, but I can't tell him. Instead, I settle for... I've got you, I say, and squeeze his shoulder. Look at you, he chuckles. My little girl Lynette protecting me. He doesn't say anything else as we continue downward. Every once in a while, there's a spat of static. As if he's about to say something, the mic system appears to be having difficulty translating. You don't like being called little girl, sorry. Forgot for a second, you like spitfire. Not a major issue, I assure him. Plus, for a moment, I was his little spitfire again. Dad's quiet as we navigate the steps. 
My own internal feed displays a warning on my HUD that my hemoglobin count continues to drop and that my nanosquads won't be able to mimic iron porphyrin molecules much longer. A transfusion is recommended. I try to mute the scroll of updates and warnings. The internal AI symbiont advises against this, so I have to override the basic directives. That doesn't work either. So I end up promising my nanos I'll get the transfusion and whatever the hell they recommend, and then dispatch the order. They hesitate, but eventually the coddling stops. Just keep me going a bit longer, I say to myself, willing the nanos to hear. Jupiter's glow fades to almost nothing as we land on the last flight of stairs. We stay in the blackness for a spell, and then turn our suits bioluminescence back on. Wisps of light speckle far ahead as the cavern opens up to Nuvala. The mirrors used to reflect Jupiter's light are much larger near the ghost town. Sluices of light come down from the surface in much wider flutes. Here we go, Dad whispers as we take the first few steps toward the outer camps that surround Nuvala. The old shanties line the path like a mishmash of optimism hitting reality. Each small shelter unique with a hidden story of someone's life inside. Some thrived, while others didn't last more than a couple years out here. The leg of an enviro suit pokes out, but we don't stop to see if the person inside is alive or dead. My wrist calm pings and brightens to an indigo color, different than the incessant warnings about Dad's nanos and their troubles in his enviro suit. It's a notification about a flicker of movement several meters away. Our suit skins are lit at a low setting, but still have us standing out in the darkness. I remind myself for the umpteenth time that there haven't been any violent crimes in the lowers for years, just squatters and tourists. This place has become sacred. Thanks for this, Dad says. He's walking oddly as if he's concentrating on each step. I wanted to say that, but I felt goofy. Thanks, though, for, for coming here with me. Sure, sure, I answer. Visiting the ghost town of Nuvala and the surrounding townships is a thrill for me, too, and not a chore. I never thought I'd come here like this with Dad. That hope was taken away years ago. A current outline of the topo map comes up on my HUD. I send the info to Dad. Certain areas are highlighted to show historic significance. There's also the fun warning— all stories about hidden caches of titanium and palladium are not factual. Please do not disturb the surrounding structures. Doing so will result in a felony charge. I flick off the rest of the warning, but in myself, fantasize about stumbling across the legendary treasure. Walking through one of the first major settlements past Mars and the asteroid belt leaves me amazed that more people don't explore it. There's a sense of camaraderie, knowing that for generations, layman explorers have come here and not ripped into the old city. Maybe that's why the eyes were watching us from a distance. Who knows what'll happen if Dad and I started stripping the place. Our enviro suits go dark as we step back into the Jovian light. The pink radiance has grown livelier, and is now altered as it cuts through planes of glass spread out above. This brings a cacophony of colors that shift and blink, like an efflorescence of stars. The refracted light brings life to the outskirts. I can only imagine how it radiates inside the city. <clears throat> Dad grunts. I'm still holding him up, but feel no ache or strain. Yeah, I say. 
Most buildings in the distance stand proud, as if untouched by time. Only a few appear to have missing wall panels or open hatchways. Some structures sag or lean at weird angles like a surrealist interpretation. The weekend architect in me thinks about the random materials that were first used, especially here in the outskirts of Nuvala. Duraglass and a form of plasticrete that couldn't take the cold or microgravity. Each threshold has a bulky look to it, as if built for a titan, a callback to the size of first mainland earthers who settled out here, a people coarse with extra muscle and denser bones. They lived in a time separated by generations of nano-use, before we fused the tiny machines into our bodies and lives, before our insights became these things called feathered bodies that remain as an outline of our nervous and circulatory system when we die, alive in their own way, redefining the notion of soul and spirit. I can't help but envy the first settlers and their biggest problem being how to get air pumped throughout this giant chasm. I would have loved to taste the gritty atmosphere for myself. No worries about the moral dilemma of pulling a loved one from stasis to carry out their final wish. Let's go to the... Dad's mic system cuts out. The what? I ask. Uh, the township square? Not Nuvala? Yes, no. He answers, followed by a few more grinding and worrying in the static. His envirosuit slumps onto the cold ground as if it had just gone empty, like a glitched hollow vid. I lift him and push forward. I don't know what else to do. Dad? I ask. Memories flash in and hit me hard. Him resting in the stale hospital room, the medical interface warning that his nanos will no longer be able to carry out repairs, something about cells dying off at too fast a rate, the shrill beep of the diagnostic machine's warning, his request to trek out to the lost cities of the Lowers on Ganymede, my promise to bring him. I'm short on breath, he finally says, nudges me forward on the farther path towards Nuvala. His eagerness snaps me out of that dreary reverie that haunts me. Just a hitch in my breathing. How can you be short on breath, I wonder. You don't really have lungs. I shake away the image of what's actually next to me inside of Dad's envirosuit. The feathered body. As long as I picture him there in some corporeal sense, I'll be fine. Grandpa's vids showed people everywhere. Thought we'd be running into others by now, Dad says. Didn't you? There's so many entry points, I say. A cramp hits my calf and I stumble. Again, Dad doesn't mention it. Maybe deeper inside Nuvala are the outer townships near the east corridors. See some squatters there, maybe. I can't tell him that he's thinking of a time many decades ago. Don't tell them about me, he gasps out. I don't want a pity party. His feet drag. Yeah, you never did, I remember. No problem, I say. How about I carry you into Nuvella? He doesn't answer. There's a subtle movement from the gloved fingers like a rhythm to a song he's tapping out. A habit when he got agitated. I latch our suits at the hip and fasten his wrist to my shoulder. As I trudge along the path, past the outskirts, I keep an eye locked on those tapping fingers. The static hiss has degraded. I don't dare check my wrist calm. We are struggling, the AI voice speaks. It takes me a moment to realize it's coming from Dad's enviro suit, not mine. 
The voice is not pretending to be Dad. Things must have gotten tough for the nanos in his Enviro suit. We are struggling. The preciseness in the language jolts me. Report, I say with a sigh. Letting the nanos speak directly to me reminds me that his Enviro suit only carries the tiny machines with their synth membranes and microelectric bonds. The parts of Dad that remain can be summed up as a few clusters of remaining cells, just enough to maintain genomic enhancers. I refuse to see him as just dust and motes. Adjusting, the AI answers. Explain, I try. Physical nano-units are compromised due to unexpected stress on pseudo-axon neural units. Long-term memory, stable. Short-term memory, fear. Does he know? I ask. You can't let him find out. They don't answer. Priority one remains. I relay the command to the nanos. You must not let Dad know how much time has passed. He must think he is fully here with me, please. We are struggling, they repeat in that cold tone only they can muster. My mind's in an all-out sprint to find some patchwork stopgap. We are so close. Uh, Counter physical needs and focus all utility or whatever to neural stability. I try, but my own voice fails me. I have to slow my breathing, take deep breaths. He can't hear me crying, not now. Please, focus on memory incorporation and stability. The gloved fingers stop tapping. Dad's enviro suit collapses completely and is only reinforced by the inherent sniffness within the bodysuit and the clasps at our hip and his arm bound to my shoulder. I drop to the ground in a heap, defeated. Scrolls from my own nanos run updates warning me to seek medical attention. The icy floor stares back at me with an aura of light that glares hard. No! It sounds like Dad's voice. What? Keep going to Nuvala, he forces out. Please, I just got spooked from... Sure, sure, I say, and harness what strength I have to place one foot before the next. Dad laughs, and just like that, he's back. His enviro suit still feels empty, but he's talking like he never left. Oh, Lynette, you'll tease me. I got nervous thinking about the people hiding out throughout here, and I know there's not much chance we'll even see others, but damn it, my, my nanos messed up because I was too freaked. They actually sent me a direct order saying, you must continue with your daughter, stop worrying so much. <laughs> How about that? Nano's getting all personal. Okay, yeah. Now there's no hiding from the fact that there's nothing inside Dad's enviro suit except those tiny machines he carried within him all his life. Trillions of machines that struggled to keep him alive, but in the end failed. Trillions of machines that are left with just the memories of their host stowed away in some stream processor's code. And the question haunts me. How long before he realizes he's not here with me right now, but just a shadow of his former self? That damn question I fought to squelch under the giddy excitement of reaching Nuvala with my dad. Part of me refuses to remember that his body is buried at home on Callisto. No. He's right next to me. I adjust my grip and continue onward. My own extremities have grown numb, feeling fat and clumsy. A new beacon on my HUD blinks, trying to override the override from earlier, warn me that I'm running on fumes. More people appear on the edges as we stroll along an old walkway. 
The walkway below us comes to life and moves us slowly, sucking what power it can from the solar relays. I let it crawl along as I lean against a side rail. We're in Nuvala. The openness above us is unlike anything back home. The first settlers had to dig low to stave off the onslaught of deadly radiation. Not like Callisto, where Resiglass keeps the deadly rays at bay. These people came here and created their own sky. Nobody comes out to say anything. They know I'm on some bucket list outing. The way I'm carrying Dad must make it obvious. No one interrupts to offer help. Dad and I aren't the first to come here to fulfill a final wish. But for now, we bask in the transcendent albedo as the brightness peaks. Set me there, Dad says. His body doesn't move, so I can only guess what he means. I move off the slow-moving section and head towards the classic cinema. Uh, The cinema? I ask. Or towards the market square? Oh, yes, the cinema. The bench under the marquee and posters. He must be remembering pictures in his mind. It takes me a few minutes to find one of the benches. The posters are gone. Okay, I say and set him down. I'm sitting right next to you. Good, there's something... His voice crackles. There's something I need to tell you. In a sec, I say. I just I want to sit here quietly. The calm link isn't quiet, though. A series of shrill tones like a degraded signal echo within my helmet. Not fear, the AI from his enviro suit adds. Unknown. I want to scream at the nanos to quit their algorithm or whatever and just let me pretend to sit with my dad. Instead, I just take a deep breath and whisper, Maybe we can just sit. Nothing needs to be said. Not yet, I beg. Please, not yet. I grab his gloved hand and set it in mine. I lift my head and stare at the line of buildings dancing in the light. Parts of Nuvala have come to life now that we're farther inside. The occasional sign flickers. An exterior elevator climbs up and disappears into the cavernous ceiling. The rest of the cityscape stands like spires of crystal that reach upward forever. I unfasten his arm from over my shoulder and remove the clasp at our hips. The decision to tell him the truth isn't an easy one. I gather my thoughts and decide how I'll explain that his nanos were kept in a state of stasis and that time has passed. My gut warns me to not say anything, but I'm scared I'll lose him. I rest my head on his shoulder. Dad? You're not... Stop. It's the artificial voice commands. Listen. For a stream processor, it sounds desperate. The words are also displayed on my HUD. His nanos have teamed up with mine. I decide to trust them and agree not to tell him. The weird thing is, I did this just by thinking? Listen. The AI's tone is much gentler. Uh, Dad? I ask, trying to keep my voice steady. You wanted to say something? Ah, yes. Dad's voice is clear again. No, it's the clearest it's been since the nanos were taken off stasis back in Callisto. I remember it was a bad night. My skin couldn't even handle a slight breeze without feeling like it was on fire. They put creams on, but they didn't help. You sat there watching, and gods, I wanted you to leave, Lynette, but... I was being selfish and wanted you there, so desperately. 
No child should see their parents suffer, at least that's our hope. Well, then you reached over and grabbed my hand. My disgusting, blistered, rash-riddled hand. Oh, no, I say. Just realizing about the pain he was in back then. It hurt, my holding your hand? That's a funny thing, he says, and stops for a few heartbeats before continuing. I mean, the pain was there, but you holding my hand? It felt so damn good. And I know your mom and I always gave you a crap for being so hard-headed, but you held my hand all night. It helped me fall asleep, a quick respite from the pain. Whenever I woke up, which was every couple hours, you were still there, holding my hand, all till morning came. A choke escapes me. Another comes right after, and I'm I'm laughing hard. I'm a, I'm a monster laughing so hard right now, but I can't help it. What the, are you laughing? Sorry. I confess through coughs. I'm so sorry, it's just, I remember that night too. And it's funny to you. His voice isn't mad, but intrigued. I take a breath and compose myself. Your your fingers uh, had locked around mine, and I, I couldn't pull my hand out of your grip every time I even budged to try and get free you'd latch on harder. Dad starts laughing. No. Oh, I had pins and needles for the first hour. Then there was a fiery type of knife-stabbing sensation. Oh, I lost feeling up to my shoulder by midnight. I yelped when you finally let go in the morning. Thank gods the nurse had come in to take your vitals. My poor arm hung there lifeless for a half hour. You could have told me, Dad says with a grin to his voice. His voice is still sharp, but getting quieter. But I'm glad you didn't. You looked so content, and of course I'm... I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I look down at our gloved hands and notice his hand is no longer in mine. Yes, there was that. His voice isn't much more than a soft echo. I can feel right, right now, you holding my hand. Ah, it's everything. You could have woke me, but you didn't. No, of course not, I whisper. You holding my hand has everything. His voice fades away. As he leaves, I feel my age catch up with me. For that short time, I was his little girl again, and he was the elder. My mind says the natural thing and tries to play back every minute I had with him. Same thing it did with everyone I had to say goodbye to. I don't fight it. I sit there and enjoy the thoughts. I notice that with him gone, I'm I'm now an old lady sitting alone on a bench. Old and dying. His enviro suit falls over. The audio receivers in my helmet go quiet. Even if the nanos were to report, I wouldn't hear it. I reach down to disconnect the clasps holding us together, but then remember, I already did that. A subtle movement catches my eye. I know it's the faceplate to his enviro suit opening up a bit, but I can't watch. The nano's programming will have them seek out the nearest light source. They'll drift to the spectral glimmers overhead. This will disrupt their cohesiveness as a unit. They will break apart into individual machines with nothing more than basic on-off relays. As time passes, they will stop functioning altogether. I step away from the bench with a silent goodbye. 
More people have shown up to watch the speckles of light fly through absent wind. It doesn't feel like an intrusion, all those strangers watching. It's a sign of respect. They must recognize the sorrow that comes with release. More people surround me. Some have their faceplates clear so I can see their eyes. Others stay at full tint for reasons I don't want to know. I feel like I should say something. I may introduce myself, maybe. Instead, I untint my own faceplate. A woman with gentle eyes nods at me, somehow letting me know that silence is okay right now and I can talk among them when I'm ready. It takes more energy than I expect to smile at her. My hands feel soft again within the Envirosuit's gloves. My body a wisp of what it was just moments ago. A few others stand nearby and wait patiently. Another coughing fit hits me. My body folds over and someone clutches me. I can't lift my arms more than a few centimeters. My own nanos have stopped pinging their warnings. Maybe there's some code deeply embedded that allows them to understand this is their last errand for my body. I'm glad I made it this far before things really got bad. Yeah, Dad would have caught on eventually. Even the shadow of his former self within his nanos would have figured it out. Then it hits me. That final memory. How it wasn't me holding his hand that night. He was holding mine. And I didn't bring him to Nuvala. But he brought me. And there you go. Doug, what can I say? Honestly, big thank you for letting us play these three stories. You know what I mean? It's it's amazing. Thank you indeed. A big fan of yours. And Tatiana, what can I say? Man, you are a star. Thank you. So that is it. That's today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I will see you. Oh, look at you. See the phone's going. Actually, text there. Lloyd's Bank, you're overdrawn, Tony. Until next time, just like to say it. Good night from me. Thank you for listening.
If I can cast myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there, out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there, out there by and by.